Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. But let me jump in to, uh, to today. We're going to do something uh, new today and kick off something different. So let me ask you this question as we start. You ready? This is a question, simple question. It might be true of you. I think it has. Has, has someone ever warned you about somebody else? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's a, yeah, it's like, be careful, they're vicious. Or be careful, they're impatient. Or they're really ambitious. And I think that's going to rub you know, differently with you. Or they're picky or they're annoying. But maybe the opposite. Maybe someone has said, you're going to love that person, or you're going to have so much fun with them, or they're so patient, or you're going to love working with them, or they're very encouraging. And when, when that happens, right, when someone tells you either those negative things or those positive things, what you do is it, it, they've actually given you a lens. And so they, they've given you a lens, and now you've put a lens on, or lenses on, or kind of glasses on, and you start seeing that person with that perspective. And it begins to influence how you actually treat them, how you interact with them, what you receive from them, what you give to them. And I think this is true of you, and I, I think it's true of me too, that our view of people shapes our relationship with them. And I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to put it on the, on the screen because I think it's so helpful. I'm going to start right off with this theme that we're kicking off uh, this, uh, for the next few weeks. And the, the, just the phrase is this. What we see in people shapes how we relate to people. What we see in people shapes how we relate to people. And this can happen with anybody that you meet. It can happen with someone you meet for the first time. It can happen with someone you bump into at the mall. But I think, I think it happens with people we already know. I think it happens with our friends. I think it happens with our spouses. If you're married, I think it happens with our kids or our parents or our neighbors. And I think it happens to those who are closest, those that we're, that we're really close with. And so we're, we're starting something new today, and it has an odd title. It's called Relational Optics. Odd. I don't know. I, I, I kind of thought about that, because optics means how we view things, right? How we see things, and what, 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 what's in front of us, and how we actually, the lenses we have that make or help us see. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at certain parts of Scripture, these core ideas in Scripture that I believe are going to help us see people differently. And I think it's really fundamental to the gospel. Um, you know, when Ron was talking about freedom today, my heart was thinking, yes, that's so true. It's true because the gospel of Jesus Christ has freed us in Christ, right? When we think about some core ideas of the gospel, but through Scripture, and they actually confront us, it starts to clarify or correct how we see people starts to make adjustments in us. Maybe it affirms, maybe it breaks down, maybe it helps us view people differently, especially in our closest relationships. And here's, here's why. I bet you this is true, right? You and I spend so much energy on relationships. Isn't it true? We spend so much energy either investing in relationships or repairing relationships. How many of you spent a lot of energy repairing? <laughs> exactly, you know? And maybe, maybe, you, maybe you worry about them a lot, or maybe worse, you're wondering how to stop them. Can I just stop this relationship? That would, okay, I'm not telling you to do that. But, um, <laughs> but I bet as much as you, as you try so hard to invest or nurture a relationship, the way you view your friend, the way you view your spouse, the way you view your coworker matters. 
And so we're going to finish a sentence for the next three weeks. We're going to finish a sentence. We're going to leave the, just a blank at the end, and we're going to fill in it every week. And here's the sentence. I, that when you look at someone you're in a relationship with, I believe you are blank. Don't fill in the blank just yet. I believe you are blank. And today we're going to look at the earliest parts of Scripture to help us focus on just one, one kind of part of, of the lenses we need. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. And so here's the creation account. This is the first couple of chapters, very uh, poetic part of Scripture, actually. Looks very different from the rest of Genesis. Uh, And yet here in these two chapters, we find the creation story, how Israel was formed to understand who their God was, how their God brought things into being, and the intentionality of God towards them, but really towards the whole planet their relationship with him, their relationship with other people, their relationship with the world, and how the world came into being. And so here we're we're kind of right in the middle of this creation story and when God creates humanity. And this this is what it says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what I want to do today is that this this part of Scripture, to shape us and to help us fill in the blank to that question, I believe you are, we're going to fill in the blank. Now, like I said, the context of this is is the the couple of chapters of creation that we find in the Genesis account, very different tone from the rest of Scripture. But what's happening here is this, even these few verses build a foundation for how God would shape Israel's worldview how God would shape their view of him, how God would shape their view of each other, how God would shape their view of the world around them. And what's pretty amazing here is that five days of creation happened before what we just read here. We're not going to read the whole chapter, where God's creating things like sky, land, sea, water, fish, birds, light, darkness. And we, what's so beautiful here is when we read these, these five days of creation, the rest of creation doesn't merely exist for us. It has purpose all by itself, that our world and the created order has purpose. It's not just created for us or exists for us, but it also has a purpose on its own. But we come to the end of this creation cycle and something beautiful happens, something unique happens as this unfolds. And it's on this day, this last day of creation, that, God, that, that things shift because when, if you read the, the first few days, the, the, the phrases or the words go like this. It's as if God is saying, let there be light and let there be fish and let there be animals. But on this day, sounds very different. It reads, God said, let us make mankind in our image. It's like in this, in this day, in this moment, we're exposed to what God is thinking about. Like we're, we're actually, we get to see that God is thinking what he's thinking in his mind and in his heart. We're let into his mind. And while I'm certain that all of creation is rooted in God's mind, for sure, that's true, humanity seems to get this highlight. We get to see that God is thinking about us in a unique way. 
And I mean, we can say so much. There's a wonderful book uh, and tons of books written just on these verses. I got one in my library called The Liberating Image. If you're really interested in digging deep uh, from a great you know, Hebrew scholar, grab books like that. But uh, we're not going to get knee-deep into that stuff. Here's the question today. If you think about what we just read, we want to understand how does this help you and me in our relationships? How does the story of Scripture, and I think what's core to the gospel, help you and me in our relationship? Because it's telling us something here about ourselves, but it's telling us something here about the people in your life. It's telling us something about the people in your life. Right now, as we read this, you're learning something about your neighbor that maybe you never thought of. You're learning something or maybe hopefully being reminded about something about your spouse that maybe you've forgotten lately. Or you're thinking about something now about your child, your kid, your parents that maybe has gotten off your radar. And it's this, that you are in a relationship with someone who bears God's image. You're in a relationship with someone who bears God's image, that this person that you're in a relationship with is created in God's likeness. Now, maybe you're thinking, I don't know if my spouse is created in God's likeness. (laughs) They really got me upset this weekend. (laughs) Uh, You don't know my neighbor. They definitely don't look like God, Um, right? And so so maybe maybe you're thinking that, but this this is truth. This is true, that the person that we're in relationship with is created in God's image. Now, something was happening around um, the time frame that this text is referring to, and it was the ancient Near Eastern times, where often tribes or religions or cults, they would have things like temples, and, and the, the God that they believed in, God, little g, God that they believed in, they would create statues or images of their God, and they would post that image, keep that image in that temple. So when they would go into the temple, they would see, quote-unquote, the image of their God. And often there were things like statues and other things made in those images, and these things were erected of their gods and then placed in their temples or around them so they could remember or see kind of who their God was like. Now, we understand things differently when we read the Scriptures. God says He's created the heavens and the earth. God says, the earth is my footstool, the heavens is his glory, that we understand something very different about how God sees the world and even how God sees temples. The cosmos is God's temple. The world is God's temple. And imagine Israel learning this, hearing this, starting to be shaped by this for the first time, realizing, oh, God places his image in his temple. He's created us in his image. He's created us in his likeness. We are here to represent our God, to reflect our God. In the likeness of God, both male and female, humanity has been created. And this is so incredible because we get to understand that you and I, were a visible representation of God. You're not God. I'm not God. God isn't us. God's not you. But by design, we share some characteristics. By design, we share some characteristics because we're created in His image. We're created in His likeness. Part of the reasons we do what we do and think the way we think and even are driven the way we're driven or look at the world the way we look at in the most positive ways, I'd say there's a likeness to God, our our love to create, our love to build things, our love to relate to one another. But here's here's two things I want to just get at today. 
about the person you're in relationship with and why this text matters. And it's this. The first thing is this. The person you're in a relationship with, even the person you're struggling with right now, they're valuable. They're valuable because they're an image bearer of God, because they bear God's likeness, because God created them to reflect him in his cosmos. So think about this for a second. I want you to look to, look to the person on your left. You got it? Look to the person on your left. Now, think of these words for them. Think of these words for them. For you, for God created their inmost being. God knit them together in their mother's womb. I praise you because they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Okay, let's pay attention to the person on our right. Turn to the person on your right, because they got to get some love as well, right? So this is the Apostle Paul writing in Ephesians chapter 2. And so again, think of the person right beside you, on your right, for they are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for them to do. If If this is true, think of the people you're in relationship with. Think of the people, think of your spouse, think of your kids, think of your friends, think of your neighbors. This plays out now in our relationships. Let me ask you a question. What would change in your marriage today if you'd acknowledge that your spouse was an image bearer of God? What would change? That they held the kind of value that shares God's likeness. What would change in your friendships today if you believed and knew and understood that they represented God's likeness to you? What would change? What would change? What would change? How would you relate to your neighbor today knowing that they are made in the likeness of God? How would you relate to them when you meet them on the street, when you're working through a conflict? See, here's the thing. Sometimes, I'll just talk about marriages for a second, but marriages, sometimes a spouse can disregard their spouse. We're disregarding an image of God. We're disregarding someone who's been created in the likeness of God. When you trash your friend, you're trashing someone who's been created in the image of God. When you uh, unrightly judge a coworker, that's an image bearer. And this has nothing to do if they know Jesus or not. This is just by design how God created them. When you put down a child unfairly, when you, when you, when you bring down a child in such a way, you're, this child is created in God's image, in God's likeness. When someone takes advantage of a parent, they're taking advantage of someone who's made in God's image. So here's the thing. If you take these, this, these glasses, these new lenses of the person in front of you being valuable because they're made in God's image, and you put those glasses on, now all of a sudden we're going to fill in the, sta- the, st- the sentence. The sentence is this. I believe you bear God's image. I believe you bear God's image. And that's so vital to start off with in our relationship. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, next to the blessed sacrament itself, he's speaking about communion, the bread and wine, next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. What if we put new glasses on and we can fill out that sentence 
and believe that about the person we're in relationship with. I believe you bear God's image, and that makes you valuable. That makes you valuable. There's another piece to this which is important, and it's another part of the lens for this and why they're valuable, and it's because they have a vocation. They actually have a purpose. Vocation means it, like to be called into something. It's someone's calling. And here, when we read that God creates humankind in his image, he also gives them purpose so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, and on and on it goes. That word rule over in some of your versions might say have dominion over, maybe hold sway over, uh, steward, care for. It means these things. So God creates his image bearers with purpose. All of humanity has this inherited creative mandate to have dominion over the things of this world. It's meant to be done in a good way. You know, as we're praying for these parts of the world that Natalia was praying for, she, she grieved because she said there's corruption and damage and sin and brokenness, and therefore the dominion is not being done well. The rule, the care for, the stewardship, the holding sway over is being done through sin and brokenness and not through this view of people being an image bearer. But this is important. When you think about this idea of this vocation that each, each of us have, it's this, that you live with someone or you work with someone or you share dinners with someone who has a divine mandate from God as his image bearer to fulfill his intended purpose or her intended purpose in the world to have stewardship over the world. And here's the reason why. God created the world, but he didn't create it in a static place. He created it so his image bearers could bring to fruition what God desired. One uh, Hebrew scholar, John Goldengay, says it like this. He says, the world isn't yet what God wants it to be, when he's speaking about creation. The world isn't yet what God wants it to be. It's still on its way. It's still on its way. And, and just think about this. Imagine that God wants to use your friend and your spouse and your neighbor and your coworker in that purpose to help the created order move on its way towards God's desire and God's purposes. It will, it will never become the fullness of what God wants it to be until new creation. But on the way, we're all called into this. And, and here's the beautiful thing. As Genesis 1.27 says, God created mankind in his own image. Male and female, he created them. This is important because both men and women have equal value here. Have both men and women have, are visible representations of who God is and God's likeness. And both men and women, this is really important. When you read this text, there's no distinguishing here who gets this vocation. Men and women both get this vocation. They're both called to have dominion over, rule over, stewardship over. And this is so vital. Men, if you're married and you deny your wife the opportunity to fulfill this creative mandate, you're an obstacle to her divine vocation. Women, if you deny your husband the opportunity to fulfill this creative mandate that, that he's been really designed with, then you're also part of that obstacle of him fulfilling this divine vocation. Both men and women are called to this. And it's amazing 
when um, Jesus arrives on the biblical scene, the biblical story, and the cross and resurrection take place, the church grows, and then the Apostle Paul starts, um, you know, looking back to some of these things. In Galatians chapter 3, when he looks to what Christ fulfilled, he says, there's neither slave or free, Jew or Greek, male or female, they're all one in Christ Jesus. And I think that's partly a connection to this, to the creation story. They're all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ even more so fulfills God's desire for your vocation, for my vocation in the world. It's Mother's Day today. Mom's got a highlight, right? So important as they're so valuable and so wonderful and such an important part of our lives. And when we continue to read part of the Genesis account, we read that humankind is meant to fill the earth. And part of that comes through men and women coming together and procreating and women bearing birth to children. And God's command to fill the earth would not be possible without you. Eight billion people exist on the planet because of moms. Eight billion people almost on the planet exist because of moms. Now, think of also that doesn't mean that uh, for women who aren't moms that this vocation is the only way, that the only way to fulfill this vocation is to be a mom. Uh, because men don't have kids, and men are part of that vocation too. And so women also have a part to play. Men and women both are given this mandate, this shared responsibility over creation. And the person you're in relationship with, they are called to this. That's who your spouse is. That's who your friend is. That's who your neighbor is. When I, we think back to Ephesians chapter 2, think about this. It brings it all together. God has created you as a masterpiece Paul says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, created as a masterpiece in Christ Jesus, that's the value, to do good works, that's the vocation. They're they're brought together, and this becomes the, the lens that we see the people in our lives with. Now, as we start today, and I'm sure this comes to mind for you, because some of you are thinking, but Dave, you don't know my spouse. But Dave, you don't know my friend. Like, it's pretty messy. It's really hard to be their friend. It's really hard sometimes to be their spouse. It's really hard sometimes to be their neighbor. You don't know. And of course, I'd probably say, I don't want to know everything. And, I don't want, and what about you? Like, I don't what about, you know, what's, what's going on in your own life? But think about this. I, I get it. There's, there's, we, we see the brokenness. We see... The, the, the conflicts, we see the areas for change, we see the need for transformation, and we're going to get to that in this series. And I know that just hearing this this morning, you're thinking, wait a second, I know there's more to relationships than just this perspective, because that sounds like rosy-colored glasses, like everybody I look with is awesome and wonderful, and no one can do no wrong, and whatever. And it's like, Dave, isn't there, what about sin? The Bible talks about sin. We do bad stuff. And it's like, yes, and we're going to get to that. And I know that there's lots more to relationships than the perspective we're talking about today. And I know that some of us are in such a a web of issues that we need uh, time and delicate conversations with and maybe even counseling for. I know that some of us are dealing with the hurt of a friend, the disappointment of a spouse, maybe the betrayal of a parent, maybe the struggle to see a kid flourish as you want them to see as they grow. And I get it. I get it. That's true. We're not putting that aside when we say we believe that the people we're in relationship with are God's image bearers. We're not putting the messiness aside. We're not putting aside the need for what that looks like to work out. But just, one, just for a second, 
maybe just for today, maybe just for this moment, what if we put that aside for a moment? Because there's so much of how we already relate to the people we're in relationship with without, these, without this lens on. And it's clouded our relationships. It's stifled our relationships. It's created obstacles in our relationships. It's created walls in our relationships. And it's made us view the people in our relationships unlike image bearers when they really are. What if we put that aside for a moment and we just get down to this basic foundation of what a healthy relationship can look like and you start right here. And you just, you, before we do anything else, we put these lenses on and we say, this is who is in front of me. This is who they are. There's um, some neighbors on our street and uh, our, our relationship with them has become prickly to say the least. And not, not just us, but a few, other, a few other neighbors as well with them. And um, man, you know when you really believe you're right? And you're not the only one who says it, you know? Like the, the neighborhood affirms it, you know? <laughs> and yet, and there's so much, you know, when you see someone like that or you want to address something or something takes place, like everything in you just wants to say, like, just wants to tell them they're wrong, just wants to confront them and say, like, don't you, don't you understand what you're doing? Like, you just want to tell them. You want to fix it. You want to stop them. You want to address them. You want to correct them. You want to tell them who they are. You want to let them know what everybody else thinks they are because if they don't see it, they should see it because they're just kind of digging a hole for themselves. And that's part, maybe there's room for, uh, for honest conversation. Let's say that. There's room for honest conversation. I'm not denying that. But it has, it's dawned on me that several times in the last few months when I have bumped into them or talked to them or had to text them for something, part of me has to pause and think, okay, me, Dave, dealing with this, this situation, I, I just want to say this. But like, what's under the surface of their heart? What's under the surface of all this? And who are they really? Yeah, maybe they are annoying, prickly people. I don't know. But what's under the surface? And I have to even be reminded the next time I speak to them, even if I have to address them, they're an image bearer. They're made in God's image. They're created with value. They're created with a vocation. So here's how, how we're going to come to an end in a moment. I want you to just, even if, you, if you need to do this, maybe close your eyes for a moment. And, and I want you to think about the one relationship you're really invested in right now. It could be a friend. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. The, just think about one relationship. And, you're, and just think about how you hope that relationship will grow how you long for it to be healthy, how you, how you long for it to be, maybe in some situations it's mutual, in some situations it's a little different if it's a, a child parent, how you want it to be enjoyable as well, how you want it to flourish. And just think about them for a second. And just imagine yourself, you're, you're just telling them, I believe you bear God's image. I believe you bear God's image. What person is in your mind right now that you're seeing that you, you need to be reminded, but you also want to communicate to them, I believe you bear God's image, that you have value, 
that you have a vocation, that you're precious, that you have a purpose. Now imagine this. Imagine treating them or responding to them or speaking to them or even dealing with a delicate situation with them with this new lens on. What What would that look like? You start in this moment to call them into their value and into their vocation. Okay, you can take the visual glasses off now. (laughs) But that person, whoever it was, is an image bearer of God and has value and a divine vocation. So let me ask you this question. How might that change your relationship? What you just did right now, how would it change your relationship? Now here's the hard part. Why don't you go home and tell them? Why don't you text them? Why don't you call them once we're done? Why don't you write them a card or send them a video message? Those are popular these days. <laughs> My kids do it all the time. I see messages going back and forth with video. And, and if they're not a Christian, imagine they hear from you today. You know what? I went to church, and I had a sense that... Um, I was just reminded of the intrinsic value you have, and sometimes I've forgotten that. I know you exist for a purpose, and I just wanted to tell you. What would, what would that do for them? What would that say about the church or Christianity to them? You know what that is? That's called good news. <laughs> That's good news. You've shared good news from all of God's story to them. It's really important. Now, before we wrap up, I want you to know this too, and and this is really, really quick. You know, everything we just said today, that's true of you too. You are also an image bearer of God. You also have value because you're created in God's image. You are also given this vocation by God. And some of you, some of us don't believe that. And because we don't believe that, that also affects our relationships. That affects how we treat people. Because out of our lack of self-worth or our lack of affirmation or our lack of identity, we treat people poorly. And because you and I don't believe it, we treat people poorly in that way, even those closest to us. And it affects how we respond to people and what we receive from people. And so the most important thing today, I don't want you to leave today thinking, I have to do something. I want you to leave today saying, this truth has been declared over me. It's God's truth. You too bear God's image. That this good news from Genesis 1 showed up on the scene even before the good news of John 3.16 showed up on the scene. And you're like, what? What does that mean? And when I read John 3.16, right, it's a pretty popular verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That is a little summary of the good news. But, but Jesus didn't say God loved the world after he sent his son. Right? God so loved the world. He didn't say, God so loved the world after he sent Jesus. No, God so loved the world, period. Yes, he saw the state we were in. He saw the brokenness. But God loved the world that he sent his only son. There's, there's good news in Genesis 1. And yes, there's a messy story in the whole biblical story. And there's, one, there's good news in Jesus Christ. But wouldn't it be amazing if people could hear, hear both? 
They're both important. They're really important. And what we find in Genesis 1 is, is important for us, and it's important for your relationships. So we're going to be, there's gonna, now, there's going to be more I believe statements. And so if you're wondering, like, well, what about this, and what about that, and what about this situation, and what about the mess that the world's in, don't worry, we're going to fill in the blanks the next few weeks. But just for today, we just want to start here, okay? Is that good? We're just going to start here. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful in your wisdom, in your goodness, in your sovereignty. You have created each and every one of us. And each person that we lock eyes with, maybe it's easier for us to believe that you've created us in this way and harder to believe about those we lock eyes with. Or maybe for some of us, God, it's the reverse. We believe it in others and don't believe it in us. God, may we hear this beautiful truth found in the origins of your story that you said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. God, remind us of this truth today. And Lord, as we step into our relationships today, whether it be a marriage relationship or a friendship relationship, or tomorrow maybe a working relationship, maybe it's with a child or with a parent, with a neighbor or with a colleague, God, may your Holy Spirit remind us of who is in front of us. Somehow, somehow, even in the messiness of our world, the person standing in front of us is holy and good and created by you to bear your image. And they have a purpose. And so if this is an obstacle in the relationships we find ourselves in, God, may this fresh lens that comes from your biblical story that's strengthened by the work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. May we step into our relationships this week with this fresh lens and trust you that you will be at work in the middle of that. And for some today um, who need to know deeply that you have also created them in this way, Lord, may they see this part of your biblical story and the fulfillment and climax of Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus. That the work of the cross and the work of the resurrection and the sending of your spirit is meant um, to, bring, to bring that to fulfillment. Lord, may we trust you with that. And may some today who need to receive that, maybe for the first time, God, make a step of faith to discover who you are and discover this truth. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. 
Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.